Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church. If you're awake this morning, let it be known by an amen. amen. You're awake. That's a good sign. That's a first step. As we gather today, we gather for um, many reasons, but the main reason is that we give our focused attention. That's the word for praise and worship. Focused attention to our God. And it's been interesting over the summer, but more spe most specifically the last month, of the service that we've been able to do and provide. One such is many of you have given um, so our uh, uh, kids are, can go to Bible camp this year. And I have just a couple cards from actually the kiddos that I want to read. And let this be an encouragement to you. You may think, well, I just gave a little bit so a kid could go to camp. What's the big deal? Watch, just listen at what a little bit can do here when God has it. Thank you so much for letting me be able to go to camp. I'm having a lot of fun being here with everyone. Then they wrote a scripture, Ephesians 6, 19. And for me, that I may open my mouth boldly. They spelled it wrong, but that's okay. May open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That was worth somebody's $20 that they put in there to help a kid go to camp. The mysteries of the gospel. Listen to this one. To the church, I just wanted to say thank you for allowing me to go to camp. One of the things I learned is that you can't always trust the world. There's another $20 well spent. So I don't know who gave what, but uh, that is just an encouragement to us. We've had a lot of ministry over the last over the summer, and um, we're going to continue that on at least through the month of August in, in by way of an outreach. So let's, uh, before we open in a word of prayer, I want to uh, give you a moment to turn around and wave to those watching by Facebook this morning. Back in the corner is the camera. Let's do Jerry Lindsay this morning. And, uh, and by the way, Mary and, Mar Mary and Marta, I talked to Carol the other day. So welcome them by way of Facebook and those that uh, are chimed in. So let's be, uh, let's open in a word of prayer. Can we do that? Dear Lord, thank you for being our God and providing us with your word. Your word, if we will but read it, study it, digest and think and apply and do. Your word, it's transforming. It's in, it gets implanted in our soul, the book of James says. So we want to worship you, the Father. We worship you, the Son, the Provider your death, your burial, your resurrection, your ascension. We want to worship you, Holy Spirit, today. As we are going to open your word, but we're going to praise. We're going to, this is our attempt at worshiping to give you our focused attention, our heart and our mind, and you give us a blessing in return. You give us your presence. So, again, take today and make it your own. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, church. Would you stand with us as we worship the Lord this morning in song? I pray that the music this morning is encouraging to us, but also is an offering offered from us to our Father in heaven who deserves it, our God. Thank you. 
could ever stop us. And if our God is with us, then we could stand again. And if our God is for us, then we could ever stop us. And if our God is with us, then we could stand again. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is Awesome and power, our God, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome and power. to bear with me. My throwing pattern's got to change with me here. That's better.
shall come. week I opened by saying sometimes our singing is strong and I get to get up here and proclaim that last but then last week I said the singing was weak remember me saying that I got some sad faces I got some sad looks but today the singing sure did sound sweet there at the end I pray that Andrew's prayer would be true in your heart that you sang from the heart that's an amen right there so uh, as we uh, speaking of Andrew, we were getting some plans together, and I said, Andrew, you look how you're dressed, man. You look like a preacher. He said, the truth be known, I dressed what would take the least amount of preparation. No ironing. Is, it was his goal. That was his goal this morning. Today, before we open our text, I want to uh, make sure to draw attention. Uh, I might do this at the end as well, but tomorrow and this week starts school for the bulk of our uh, uh, students at our student ministry. Some start a little later, but most of them start this week. So uh, if you're excited about that, let it be known by an amen. amen. It was only the parents. It was only the parents. I did not catch many youthful voices there. But on a very serious note, as we think about our teenagers, um, they're growing up uh, very quickly before our eyes. Uh, we have um, all different several schools represented we got 
Homeschool West Claremont starts this week. I know that uh, Dalton, what is that, White Oak, I guess, you start tomorrow. I, no, Wednesday, that's right, that's right, Wednesday. Um, but we have schools represented. Be in prayer, not only for your children, but the students of Cross Point Baptist Church. They're in their formidable years, but they can also be leaders as we witnessed and watched throughout our own church. So be in prayerful, be mindful of our, uh, of our students and as they, uh, they look to grow and learn. They are in a great position of ministry. Their, their mission field just looks different than ours. Their mission field has more congested people perhaps in one spot. Their mission field is a little bit more perhaps uh, hostile than yours. I don't know. We don't know. But we know this, that a child of God that is just taking the next step and following him is the blessed person. Amen? You're blessed no matter what's coming your way. I am studying the book of Job right now. We're going to be in Acts, by the way, if you want to turn there in your Bibles to Acts 19. But you know what I'm learning about Job? I, I knew this. Maybe I forgot it, but I'm, it's just jumping off the pages to me as I'm studying it in conjunction with the commentary is that Job didn't know fully what God was up to. He didn't know chapter 1, chapter 3. He didn't know the dialogue that had happened, but God did. Job gave God what he needed when he needed it. There, somebody needs to write that down. God gave Job what he needed when he needed it. He didn't know the end result. He don't know the outcome. And that is why I can say with confidence today that if you are a believer, you're a child of God, God is always up to something in your life. Always. Always. You're like, well, I don't see it. I don't feel him. What's he up to? Don't ask me. I'm not God. I don't have that ability. But we have promise after promise after promise. Romans 8, 28. The book of Job, the whole ending of that, shows you that God is up to something. On and on. Let that be a reminder today. That in your walk, take the next step. You're walking by faith, not by sight. If you go by what you can see, like the card that I read from one of our kids that went to uh, Splash Camp. You can't trust the world. If you're going to go by what you can see and hear and what you can touch and feel, you can't trust it. It'll let you down. But when you walk by faith, not by sight, you're a blessed person. That was free right there. It wasn't in my notes. All free stuff. Acts 19 is where we're going to be at this morning. Now, I, want, I do want to um, put this out there now. Today, my desire for you today is to be, uh, be a student today. Be a learner. Be a learner. This isn't Pastor Scott just reading scripture. You're, we're going to study today. You got you to gotta study a little bit and think. Some of the doctrines, the theologies of the Bible, if you, if you do just a little sound bite, and we live in a sound bite world, we understand that. But if you live your life in sound bites, like I tend to do, you, sometimes you miss theology that takes, you, you got to think and read and develop and see what God is up to. So buckle up. Let's go for a ride. Acts 19, 1 through 10 is where we'll be. If I could title this anything, it would be Excitement in Ephesus. Excitement in Ephesus. There's an exciting element that happens right here. Paul's on his third missionary journey. 
He's, um, he's getting her done. He's traveling from here to there. He's sharing the word of God. Uh, um, and, and you're watching people's faith grow. But you're also watching people be responsible with what they know about God at the time. That's important. That's very important. Be responsible with what you know at the time. Can I tell you what excites me? I, already, I heard something this morning that came in. You think somebody, what was it? Somebody shared scripture with you. This excited me right here. And Brian Reynolds came in and goes, you're going to like what I'm teaching in New Life. That right there excited me. Because a leader was excited about what he was going to be teaching out of here. Oh, that's good stuff. That is good stuff right there. We need the word of God. Acts 19, that is what Paul is doing. He's sharing the word. He's sharing theology, but he's sharing Christ. And guess what? All that encompasses our walk with God. Third missionary journey, he finds himself in this area known as Ephesus. We've actually looked at several portions of scripture just within the last several months out of Ephesians about that area. Three years in Ephesus is a time frame here. But Acts 19, the people involved, by default, they had some theology. By the way, that word theology is simply the study of God. That's what theology means. Sometimes we use that word too loosely. But they had some solid theology to shape. We've had some solid theology to shape our thinking toward truth, and as we live our lives. We live these things out. Earlier, just one chapter earlier in Acts 18 in Faithful Life, we had studied about um, uh, a person by the name of Apollos. He was a man with an incomplete message. He was responsible with what he knew at the time as it relates to God. You're getting ready to see in Acts 19, 12 men that were responsible with what they knew, but they didn't have the complete message as well. 12 men with an inconsistent message. Acts 19, verse 1 through 10, let's read. And it happened when Apollos was at Corinth that, <clears throat> that Paul, having passed through the upper regions to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Verse 5. When they, had, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. And, when, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannius. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. 
So as we look at those 10 verses, we can start to unpack some of it. And there's some language in there, some words that may have caught your attention. If you look at verse 1, it says, It happened while Apollos was at Corinth, and Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, finding some disciples. Say disciples. Everybody can be a disciple of Jesus Christ, but not everybody can be a believer. But not everybody is a believer. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Scott? Please do not assume that disciples and believers, genuine believers, are the same. A disciple of Christ just means you're a learner. You're following your learner. You're a disciple of somebody right now. You're probably following somebody, learning one of your hobbies, um, uh, how to. You know, you become a learner of certain things and hobbies. They were following Christ, perhaps being learners, but learners don't always mean you're a believer. They're not synonymous. They were disciples. They were learners, but of who? Look in verse 3. And he said to them, into then what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. They were learners of John. John the baptizer. Remember that guy? Who was, man, he was dunking them. He was dunking them as quick as they would come. Double dunking some of them. Boom, boom. And uh, there's an old country song me and Greg Ferguson used to tease about. If baptism washed away your sins. If baptism, you could live a life if, this is if, because it doesn't. If baptism washed away your sins and you go to the creek, where do them sins go? Pray for the fish. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know how it really goes. You have to ask Greg Ferguson. He could explain that probably a little better. They were following John the Baptist. Okay, they were following John the Baptizer. So watch, we're, we're, all this is building up to the context. Context, context, context. What, don't be careful not to pull out a verse and say, that's my life verse, not knowing the context. It's very, very dangerous. Very dangerous thing to do. So they were learners, but of who? John the Baptist we see in verse 3. Apparently something was lacking. Paul asked a revealing question in verse 2. Look in verse 2. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now let's pause there for a moment. Why would he ask that question? Why would he ask that question? He knew that something was lacking. There was something lacking there. Now, well, the verse goes on to say, So they said to him, We have not so much as even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Then verse 3 kicks in. So in verse, who were they learners of? John the Baptist. Paul identifies that something's lacking in the back part of verse 2. They reply in the front part of verse 2. The back part of verse 2 is their reply. Verse 3, Paul asks another question. Verse 3b is their reply into John's baptism. Paul now knows the problem. You know what I like about Paul? A lot of times we miss, I think, I think we mischaracterize Paul. We think he was that guy who was in your face all the time and bold and was obnoxious with the gospel. Um, uh, by the way, that was a title of a book I wanted to write. I had a title and I had nothing else. I don't even know how to write a book. But uh, I had this title called Obnoxious with the Gospel because I would see people, especially in Bible college, that they were so obnoxious with this good news that it became, the news was tainted because of the delivery. 
we sometimes picture Paul. And there is times when Paul is fiery, when he's at Areopagus, when he's in these places and he's in the hot seat, so to speak, when he's in before rulers and he's in before judges and they're, they're questioning him. But we also see him being wise and discerning and gentle. But here's Paul. He now knows the problem. How do you picture Paul here? Do you picture him going, I know the problem. Here's your problem. I'm going to fix your life. Your life's all messed up. I'm going to fix it right now. Is that how you picture Paul? Picture Paul more like this. He's heartbroken. He's heartbroken because they've come this far. They know of God. They're doing what they know to do through John. And John was doing what he knew to do. What is it that John knew to do? Matthew chapter 3. John is at the river. He's given them a baptism of repentance, of turning from your sin and turn to God. That's it. It's an identification. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit because I'm all keyed up. Paul simply shares the truth with them. I don't know if he preached here. I think he just shared. Look in verse 4. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance. You're right. That's what John did. Saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. I was going to take the time and go back and look at all this. I don't think we're going to dive into this part of Matthew. But Jairus John, the Baptist, he's preparing the way for the one. All this was prophesied in the Old Testament. John's here in the flesh. Remember the whole storyline? We, we, we put a spotlight on at Christmas time how Elizabeth is pregnant with John. Mary's pregnant with Jesus. She heard her voice. The baby leaped in, 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 in Elizabeth. He was the one that was prepare, going to prepare the way. And then here's John. He takes the vow. He's, he, uh, he's the wild man. He's the crazy man. A locust and honey's what he ate. And he dressed different. And he spoke with a passion with the, now don't confuse preaching and passion with arrogance, with dogma, with a dogmatic approach. He was speaking the truth. I was listening to a guy this morning, as I typically do, coming into church my whole long three-mile drive. I act like it's so far. And I'm driving in, and he was preaching and sharing what the Scripture says about hell. And he goes, I don't like preaching and teaching on this and you don't like hearing it but it doesn't make it any less true hell's real it's hot and forever's a long time we can't ignore we can't erase that part paul here in verse four is saying he's i think he's sharing more of what they needed he wasn't preaching and yelling at them oh you guys did so good but let me tell you what you need I don't think that's what he's doing here. He's giving them more of the information. John baptized. They were identified with turning from their sin and turning to God. Not Christ yet, but God. This is not known as the believer's baptism. That's not the baptism we do here at Cross Point Baptist Church. We do a believer's baptism. Time frame. Time frame. So John, there's John, and then Jesus shows up on the scene. What does he say? There he is, the Lamb of God who can take away the sins of the world. He can take away, think about this, 2,000 years ago you were on his mind. There's the Lamb of God who can take away sin of the world. 
who I'm not even worthy to undo his, uh, his Carhartt boots there. I can't even get them unbuckled for him. So it's his sandals, people. But the problem was, here's the problem, the context. The context is key. The total of their spiritual knowledge had stopped at John the Baptist. That's all they knew. The total of their spiritual knowledge, it stopped here. They needed more information. They, don't, they didn't get information back then like we get information now. We get information now by what you're probably holding in your hand. We can, we can get, Keith held his Bible up real high. Keith said, I, I got my Bible. Keith is like, I'm good, Pastor. I was referring to the phones, right? We can have so much information just like that. You can even speak to it, and it'll speak back and give you information just like that, just like that. That's not how they, they hadn't, the ways of getting information, primarily word of mouth. They needed more. The disciples in Ephesus were not Christians. They were not believers. They were Old Testament believers. Are you with me? You with me? Say, uh huh. All right, you're with me. They were Old Testament believers, although you're in a New Testament era. The total of their spiritual knowledge had been cut off. As John's disciples, they knew there was an Holy Spirit and would one day uh, baptize God's people. They knew the Holy Spirit was coming. We see that in Matthew 3.11. You see it in Luke 3.16. You see it in John chapter 1 as well. So when they said um, that they didn't know whether there was such a Holy Spirit, at the end of verse 2, that he was here is, is what they're really saying. They knew he was coming. Yet they hadn't received him. Why? Why hadn't they received the Holy Spirit? They hadn't received the Holy Spirit. They haven't even heard of, the, of his moving. Why? Because they weren't believers. Watch where this goes. Their problem, as revealed by their answer to the, problem, uh, answer to the baptismal question, is in verse 3. They weren't believers, and they didn't understand the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They couldn't even receive the Holy Spirit because they weren't believers. If you're with me, say, uh-huh. You don't, how could you, you couldn't have the Holy Spirit apart from cross, uh, apart from Christ. He indwells the believer. We're going to see that in Ephesians in just a moment. Their problem is revealed in verse 3. They related to John's baptism, the baptism of repentance, not being identified with Christ. Huge difference. In the book of Acts, a person's baptism is an indication to his or her spiritual experience. There was baptisms, I believe, happening a lot in the Old Testament, and very few were related to Jesus Christ. It was a religious exercise, a religious ordinance that they would do. It meant to be identified with. Say identified identified it was very common thing to be baptized to be identified with when we baptize we baptize this is our pool right here we make sure that you are i buried in the likeness of his death we make sure the picture is baptism i'll hold you under there for a little bit to make sure you're immersed this i see bubbles then i start to bring you up that tells me 
You are buried in the light. You want to be identified with his death. Because if you're not identified with his death, if you don't fully understand that he died for you, dying is how he paid for our sin. You have to understand the gravity, the depth of his dying. He became sin for us. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Why? So we can become the righteousness in him. You got to die. This baptism they were doing was to turn from sin, but to be a believer, to be baptized in Christ is a whole, it, it, there's no more baptisms to come. You got it. You got it to be identified with. Paul explained John's baptism in verse 4. Look at verse 4. Paul said, John indeed baptized you the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. John's baptism looked forward to the coming Christ, to the coming Messiah. Christian baptism looks back to the finished work of the cross. Did you see that? Ooh, that's a good one. They're looking John, from John the Baptist, and they're looking forward to the Messiah. We as believers, as a, our baptism looks back to the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Man, it makes me want to get dunked again. Come on. Christian baptism is vital to following our Lord in obedience. John's baptism was on the other side of Calvary and even Pentecost. We're going to hit that in a moment. It was correct for its day. Please let me emphasize that point. John's baptism was correct for its day. God sent him. God prepared him to prepare the way. It was right and correct for its day. But now that day has ended. John was a prophet who ministered the old dispensation. We see that in Matthew chapter 11. The old covenant had ended, not by John at the Jordan, but by Christ at Calvary. I've had this years ago. I haven't had it recently where I'll be talking to somebody and they'll go, well, I'm of the old time religion. And um, I realized, I thought they had meant just, you know, a couple decades ago. I, I, this is what I meant by old time religion. What I found out they meant was they were living by the Old Testament. That don't work, y'all. That don't work at all. You can't just live by the Big Ten. That's not a network for football playing either. You can't just live by the Big Ten and think you're good to go because it doesn't remove sin. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And it also ignores the sacrificial system. They were living by the Old Testament. We don't know, you live by New Testament the covenant, new covenant theology, not, so it didn't end by John at the Jordan, it ended by Christ at Calvary. Oh, if we had the time, we'd turn to Hebrews 10, and I'd keep you here all day. Hebrews 10 buttons this up and, and just gives you the truth that shores this up. But look at verse 5 with me in Acts 19. Look at verse 5, because I'm going to say some things in a moment. No, the scripture is going to say some things in a moment that you may have never heard. The scripture is going to say some things in a moment that you say, well, that's not the kind of church I grew up in. What you're describing, that is the kind of church I grew up in. It may say something that may be a little divisive to you. You may think, well, Pastor Scott, are you sure you want to do this? This isn't how you grow churches, win friends, and influence people. 
We want to teach what the Bible says. That's all. That's it. Not too worried about. I don't think I am. Maybe I am. Not too worried about the consequences of that. As long as it's true and honest and right and truth, it will get you to the throne of our God. Verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The fact that these men didn't, did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is proof that they were not born again. That's the proof of it. They had been baptized under John's baptism the same as the apostles had done earlier in Acts chapter 1. Verse 5 shows us something, that being believers in Christ, now that you're a believer in Christ, they are baptized in the name of the Lord. Do you see it there in verse 5? You may think, well, time frame, and all, you're, 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 there's so much going on here. This is in a short lifespan of a time frame right here context is everything when they had heard this when they had heard what when they had heard verse 4 they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus they were properly scripturally baptized that's a game changer that's a life changer here's a little bit of a you could call it a contradiction alert if you wanted to if you want to go there with it in if that's the order for baptism today, then why in verse 6? Look at verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So since that's the order of baptism, then why? What happened in verse 6? Is that a contradiction? Did I just make just say something that contradicted itself? Why did Paul lay hands on them, and why did they speak in tongues? And prophesy. I told Brad, well, I'll butcher that joke, so I won't even try to say it. But I was trying to be funny, and he goes, which language are you speaking? Because I know you're doing speaking in tongues today. I said, well, I'm Baptist, so I only know one language, and it's hillbilly English. So here we go. Why did Paul do this? Now listen, some people, I want you to grab a hold of this. Grab a hold of this. Listen and learn what the scripture teaches. In a snapshot of time, what God did through Paul for these 12 men, and we know there were 12 by verse 7, was not the norm for the church today. How do we know that? How do we know? Because it's not repeated, first of all. It's not repeated. The people that were converted in Ephesus by Paul's ministry all received the Holy Spirit when they trusted the Savior. Okay? So we see the church in a transitional state. That's why we warn, we warn, we warn, especially when you're pulling full systematic theology out of Acts, the book of Acts. Be very careful because it's a transitional book. Old Testament coming out, it's transitioning. The day of Pentecost. By the way, there'll never be another day of Pentecost. A one-time event. And watch what happens now as this, we call it the apostolic error. They were endowed with special, the sent out ones were endowed with special gifts. We're able to do miraculous things. And we see this thing called speaking in tongues, which also means in known languages. Known languages. It's not a special language. It's in known languages. And it, that will run out, 1 Corinthians tells us, 1 Corinthians 13, like a battery. It will run out. When will it run out? 
The Bible says, when that which is complete has come. We believe that to be the word of God. When the word of God was complete, you got all we need right at our hands. Now, at that time, the, the word of God wasn't compiled into one binder, into one book. But the word of God was complete. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. I love it. I love it. Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. And I'm going to shake that tree again. Because the people that were converted in Ephesus by Paul, this is the group of people that he was dealing with earlier, but now when he's at this area, the people that accept Christ as Savior, when they received him, they received the Holy Spirit when they trusted him. How do we know that? 1 Corinthians 1, 13, 13 reads, In him you also trusted, meaning Christ, we see that in verse 12, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, E.D., past tense, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Listen, the day you accepted Christ, in all your baggage, all your hang-up, all your confusion, when you fully accept him, you were sealed with the promise. You were sealed. He's got you. He's got your back. He's got your future. He has got you. And, and when you see fruits of the Spirit, there's nine fruits of the Spirit. You see them worked out in people's lives. And you're like, oh, I can see the fruit of the Spirit in their life. Aren't they doing so great? Aren't they doing great? Who's doing the work here, people? The whole, it's a fruit of the Spirit. See, we're not that great. <laughs> we're not that great of a people. But we work in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. We want to be well-pleasing to Him as He works these things out in our life that's good stuff right there dennis just gave me a right so i know i'm on the right track verse 13 it says in him you also trusted i'm sorry verse 14 not only do we have a seal of guarantee i love this illustration i've used it a thousand times i'm gonna use it again i'm mainly going to use it because my sister's here so we my mom used to do these things where she would preserve stuff in mason jars you know what I'm talking about on mason jars and you put a seal on a mason jar and when you would First time you crack it open, what do you hear? That, 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 that means that stuff's been sealed up. In fact, Jewel, Geneva, if I remember right, you can help me out with this. Vicki, help me out. Was it Geneva that used to put an aspirin in the green beans when she would jar them? Was it not her? Somebody would put an aspirin in there. Okay, that's freebie. Put that on the TikTok, see how that goes. So people's going to be buying aspirin all the time. Some of you Billy told me that. So, but, but when you crack open the lid of a mason jar, what are you listening for? There's a guarantee that comes with that. Whatever's in there has been preserved. It's, it's preserved. The Holy Spirit, the verse 14, who is, I'm sorry, the end of verse 13, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed. Sealed. They knew in this, in this day and time, they knew what a seal meant. Now, we can use mason jars. We can use other things. For them, a seal was mainly be recognized by a signet ring that a ruler would put in wax on a document. That's how they would seal it. They would seal it with that ring. And that ring meant this is official. That, that signet meant it was official. He, the Holy Spirit, puts a seal 
of pro, uh, uh, Holy Spirit of promise. Look at verse 14. Who is the guaranteed of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. He's our guarantee. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee of what is to come. He gives us what we need in the moment, but also gives us little glimpses of glory that we get from him. Going back to Acts 19. And when, they had laid, when Paul had laid hands on, the, on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Laid on of hands, laying ha hands on them, demonstrated that they were no longer to follow John's teachings. John had his purpose, but it's over. In fact, John even said that. Remember John said, I got to decrease so he can increase. All right, yeah. So, but the apostles... Now follow the apostles' doctrine. Why? Because the apostles' doctrine is the doctrine of the Bible. This also unites them with this church to the other genuine churches. Let's talk about the speaking in tongues for just a moment. Speaking in tongues here is uh, this demonstrated that although they first came in relationship with God under the old covenant... They were now part of the church of the new covenant. They spoke in that known language. It's not a special language. The theme of the book of Acts is shown uh, is to show how Jesus' prayer in John 17, 21. Keep your finger there in Acts. Go back just a couple pages to John 17. John 17. Are you studying? Give me an uh-huh if you're with me. Come on. John 17, 21. This is Jesus praying. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, he's getting ready to step off this earth, the death, the burial, the resurrection. Well, he's not actually stepping off the earth. Death, burial, resurrection is about to happen, and he puts out a prayer, and he's praying for himself. He prays for his disciples, and now he's praying for all believers. That's you, and that's me. All these years later, verse 21, that they all may be one. Say one. Man, you ever try to be one with somebody that didn't want to be one? That's tough. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, they, that they also may be one, say one, one, in us. And there's the answer. How do you become one in him? Did you see it? In us. That's how we become one. That the world may believe that you sent me. When we are one, the world sees that. When we are united in Christ as a body of believers... That's universal church. We're united in Christ in the local church. This local Cross Point Baptist Church is a local expression of the body. The world sees it. The world sees it. John 13, 35. By this the world will know you're my disciples if you love one another. You don't get more, un more united than loving each other. I can't tell you how many times this, I mean, just recently I've used this line. I use it all the time. It's, it's my way of getting people to remember Cross Point Baptist Church. In fact, I've used it already this morning. I've used it a lot in the last week. People find out I'm a pastor. Where are you pastor at? Cross Point Baptist Church. Where's it at? I got to do my spiel. You go down 32, like you go to Newtown, the Mount Carmel, Tabasco will cross over. It turns into Bell's Lane. You know where that's at? And they'll go, yeah. Or they'll go, uh-uh. I'll say, remember the big Kroger's right there? Yeah, I know the Kroger's. Well, you keep coming this way. 
Third Street on your right is Tina Lane. At the very end of Tina Lane is Cross Point Baptist Church. We're hidden. We're hidden because we don't like people. That's my line I use on everybody. And they laugh. Everybody laughs. Some people go, oh, I get it. That's not a very good line. I said, I know, but you'll remember it. And then I start smiling a lot <laughs> to let them off the hook. Why do I do that? We are a local, we're a local expression of, of the body of Christ. I cannot tell you the people that have just seen here, day camp, seen us up there at National Night Out. And they, they, there's something genuine about our church. What is that? Well, we want it to be our God. We want it to be the Holy Spirit. We want it to be our Savior. We are united. When we're focused on him, we will be united. A transition was taking place between the two covenants. It's also evidence of the apostolic gifts. The gifts were given to the apostles. That means sent one. That's what apostles mean. For the founding of the church and was accredited them by special signs. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 2. But this is not a gift that God gives today. I'm going to use a line from Joseph Dillo. And it reads, don't make the mistake of teaching the experience of the apostles, but rather we must experience the teaching of the apostles. I switched those two words, or he switched those two words. Acts 19, verse 6. You're nervous right now. You're thinking, man, he's going long. Hang on, we're wrapping it up. We see in 19, verse 6, that in the last instance, the gift of tongues is used is right here. Like the day of Pentecost, believers spoke, but the listeners recognize these tongues as known languages. Acts chapter 2, verse 4 through 11. Write it down if you need to study that out. See me afterward. Not like right afterward, but see me afterward. I will have this, I'll sit down and do a study with you. Not as heavenly speech. Acts 2, 4 through 11 is what we're talking about there. Same thing in Acts chapter 10 with the Gentile believers in the house of Cornelius. As we move on to verse 7 here in a minute, I want you to make one more note here. Paul nowhere states that the gift of tongues is evidence of baptism in the Spirit or the fullness of the Spirit. That is not a popular statement in a lot of Bible colleges around our nation. Paul asks, do all men speak with tongues? In 1 Corinthians 12. The structure of the sentence demands the answer of no. When Paul wrote about being filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5, 18, he doesn't even mention tongues. Acts chapter 19, verse 7, says, Now the men were about 12. 12. Now have a consistent message. These men, moments ago, did not have a consistent message. It was short-circuited. Now they have that consistent message. Paul preached and reasoned for them for Three months. Think about that. Look in verse 8. And when he went to the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. You know what I learned when I read verse 8, and it's a reminder for me? That it takes time sometimes. Even going back in my life, when I think back through. In fact, I, I mentioned this in Faithful Life this morning. 
Dennis probably doesn't even remember this, but it's early 90s, and I, we're out there talking about judgment and judgment and judgment seats of Christ and great white throne judgment. And Dennis Stanhope, standing right by the goldfish in the middle of our lobby in the old building. Who remembers the goldfish? Look at the hands go up. In fact, somebody asked during our class uh, what happened to the goldfish. The building's not there, so maybe Carla fished them out. I don't know what happened to the goldfish. So um, let it go. Standing right there, I'm 20-something. I knew of these judgments, but I didn't know fully. Dennis Stanhope taught me, and just right there, this is called the lobby ministry. <laughs> it wasn't in a class. It wasn't sit down, open the Bible. It was just right there. He shared with me and showed me the difference between um, the Bema Seat of Christ, the Judgment Seat of Christ, and the Great White Throne Judgment. And I remember that to this day. I remember where you were standing. I remember where I was standing. I had parcel information. And from there, because of that, I learned more in Bible college. You know what I say to that? Thank you, Dennis Stanhope, for the impromptu moments like that. They've happened all the time. So don't be too quick to run out of here. Hang out in the lobby and see Dennis. He'll fill you in on some more good stuff there. Three months, he reasoned and preached and persuaded. What's that tell you? One, they stayed there for three months. They were willing. They may have been argumentative. They may have been, help us think this through, help me figure it out. But they were willing, and Paul was willing too. It took time. Sometimes it takes time. It also says in verse 8, verse 9, but when some were hardened and did not believe, some were hardened, defiance against God. The Old Testament term, terminology is stiff-necked. If you ever read that in the Old Testament, it says, but Israel was stiff-necked. Well, that's what that means. That's it, where they stiffen the neck. You can't force your foot. It's, it's something being forced. They stiff your neck. That's just the terminology. You know, I appreciated yesterday, and uh, we had our loss of spouse, grief share ministry. I love talking about grief share. Take the word of God to, hurt, to hurting people and to watch this God just do something with it. We only really shared one verse, didn't we? And, and to watch it. I don't know how many was there. We have 14 sign up. Amy and Teresa were the only two repeat offenders. And, uh, but we were there, and as we were there, I'm watching, and I firmly believe this. I firmly believe this. God is blessing our church because of our grief share ministry. This is a second. Every session has kind of grown and with different people. There's people that are hurting out there. And I appreciated one lady was sharing a story, and I appreciated her vulnerability. She had a, a loss, hurt. She's hurting. And she prayed, and God was going to do this. And then it looks like he did the exact opposite. And I appreciated her honesty. She was mad at God. Who would be willing to admit that? You don't want to admit it. She also had a Job moment, the end of Job moment. Defiance against God. 
Verse 9, some were hardened and not believed, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. They spoke evil of the gospel message. They spoke evil of what was good, right, and true. They were speaking evil. Remember this, you're going to have sneakers and creepers all the time in your life. They're going to take your word, take God's word. They're going to twist and manipulate. They're up to no good, and there's not a whole lot you can always do about it. Pray for them, keep living your life, and just move on. Find a way of living without them. It's not that you don't care, but I don't care. I'm going to live my life well-pleasing to him. And when I do that, what I found out, I'll be pleasing the right people on this earth. The only thing you're going to walk away from here is Pastor Scott don't care about people. In our church, we're hidden because we don't like people. That's what you're going to remember. The way is another term for Christianity. Then in verse, um, well, let me finish on. Uh, he departed from there and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in his school of Tyrannius. There's a whole story there. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. School of Tyrannius, more of a hall for public speaking. Um, he was probably a famous philosopher. Um, I don't know exactly. But Paul's ministry... It went where the Lord wanted it to go. It went where the, you seek him as a believer. He'll get you where you need to be, where he wants you to go. Be who he wants you to be. Do what he wants you to do. Be first, do second. And, it, and it's okay if you want to mess those up. Is your message consistent? Is your life consistent? It's vitally important, believer. Can I say to our youth group, to, to New Life, it's vitally important, New Lifers, you understand the Bible, the full count. You're getting ready to go into school, man. It's twisted up out there. It is not like what we remember school to be. It's different for you guys out there. You need the Word of God. Adults in the room, people on Facebook, we need the Word of God. If not, your life will be short-circuited. You'll be heading down a path, path of lies. It's vitally important for you non-believer. Thank you for being here and watching. If you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this church thing, see what they're about, I don't know. You know, we're grateful you're here. Um, we really don't hit people over the head with our Bibles. We understand we understand that feeling of, of, of there's more and I can't put my finger on it. There's more and maybe church will help. Do I need God? What's this? I, there's a lot of unknowns. We're just grateful that, that people are here and, and eager. We'll be praying and ask questions, by the way, as well. But we would encourage you to understand the gospel message because the alternative is great. Here was 12 moral, well-meaning men that were empty of God. Don't let that be you today. Don't be counted in that number. Let's bow for prayer. This day, we are planning to have a time of prayer. We're going to come together and we're going to sing. We can call it an invitation, but it's a time of prayer as well.
So even if you're at home on Facebook, you can be praying at home as you reevaluate your life in relationship to him. Dear God, take this time, make it your own. Let the altars be full this morning. May we do just open the heart, the doors of our heart, and let you, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Woo, convict, and convince. Take this time and make it your own, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand, please, as we spend this time? The altars will be open. You can come and pray privately. Or bring somebody with you either way. But as Andrew leads us, won't you come? Being good to be at Cross Point, let it be known by an amen. amen. I want to uh, just share two things. Uh, one is we want to welcome 
Anna McKisson back. She's back in the corner, hidden back there. She has had a time. Yeah, give her a give her a welcome. She is a feisty one, that Anna. Make sure to uh, greet Anna back. She fell and man took uh, had just had a time with it. So, uh, but she's been gone for a month. We're glad to have her back. The other big announcement we need to really make sure you understand is next Sunday is the 21st. We are the Prems. Uh, Dan and Lori have opened their house for us to have an annual picnic there. So next Sunday, um, make sure if you would sign up at the back so we can best plan and prepare for food. So. Um, Dan, what time's our time frame on that? Four, four o'clock? Yep, four o'clock. And have we decided between chicken and hamburgers? It is burgers. So that's why you're going to want to sign up right there because you ain't getting mine. So make sure you sign up. Um, you know, bring a lawn chair maybe. Yep. Lawn chair, side dish for dessert, drinks, and they got a big yard, a lot of activity going on. So uh, we will see you next Sunday. Well, I'm going to see you before then. But next Sunday night uh, is where we'll be uh, coming together as a church body. Church, you are dismissed.